All right, hey, I want to get into the topic for tonight. I'm super excited. We're starting a brand new series. My, um, my goal, more than anything, my desire uh, for my life and my influence over our community, uh, above all things, if you were to squeeze me and say, what do you want for our group? I would say, more than anything, I want to help you. I hope that whenever you, when it comes time to, for you to leave C12 because you get a job in another state somewhere and you leave or, or maybe you just get old so you have to leave our group, um, that's a thing that should happen. If you're 47 in here, maybe it's time for you to graduate out. Um, no, but it, whenever you leave our group, uh, my hope more than anything that you would think of me and this group is that you would go, man, that place helped me. More than, more than that guy was a good preacher or, or that group was a cool place or whatever, or they had good worship, more than anything, I hope that you say, uh, that place helped me. My goal is to help you, help you understand how to think about spiritual things, understand just how to think about life and this stage of life, understand uh, how God has uniquely made you. I think one of the things that God has been kind of revealing to me and teaching me lately is... Uh, reminding me that he has a unique purpose for my life, that he has uniquely made me, and that's encouraging because that means I don't have to be like anyone else. I don't have to have the same gifting as someone else. I don't have to have the same path as someone else. That He's uniquely created me with a unique purpose. That's encouraging, amen? That should be encouraging to you. But one of the things that's kind of new that I've been investigating the past like few years and learning is that he, uh, there is a unique way that I connect with God. I don't know if you've ever thought about that or ever, anyone's ever taught you that, but there, God has created you with a unique way to connect with him. And so I thought I would spend the next few weeks just teaching you about some of the ways that you uh, connect with God. What are, what are the ways that he has designed you to uniquely connect with him? And so this has been a, a conversation that's been had for centuries in the church. It's found all over the Bible. There's evidence of it in the scriptures. Um, but it's this conversation of what we're calling spiritual pathways. And it's not just us, but it's really, you can research it. There's been some books written about spiritual pathways or sacred pathways. It's kind of the newest one written by a guy named Gary Thomas that talks about the nine spiritual pathways. And pathways are how you connect with God uniquely. Just like we have unique personalities, unique wirings, unique giftings, uh, maybe you're into like the whole Enneagram thing, anybody love that stuff? Uh, you are uniquely made in those ways. Some of you are introverts, some of you are extroverts, some of you uh, are, you love spontaneity, some of you are a little more structured, some of you are uh, more emotional, others are more logical or factual. Not saying that if you're emotional, you don't have any logic, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Some of you just lean, you lean one way or the other. But each one of you is uniquely made in a certain way to connect with God. I don't know if you know this, but God takes no pleasure in you mechanically doing what everyone else does to connect with him. He takes no pleasure in it. The hope is that you would, with, that you would connect with him how he has uniquely designed you to connect with him. So we're going to look at nine different pathways that are evident in Scripture, and they've been studied by scholars and philosophers for, for literal centuries of how people uniquely connect with God. 
And here's what you need to know. You will have uh, multiple of these. This is not like you have one and not the other. You're going to have a little bit of all of them in your wiring. The hope is that you would figure out kind of what your top few are. How, how do you, uh, what do you most lean into? Because once you figure out how you are uniquely made, then you can lean into those perhaps more than the others because that's how God has uniquely designed you to connect with him. One of the ways that I, I kind of learned about these just organically is, I'll, I'll never forget, I was having a conversation with my sister. I have three sisters. If I can do it, anybody can do it. I grew up with three sisters. Um, no, they're awesome. But I remember having a conversation with one of them and uh, she was like, Austin, I got to tell you about this incredible thing that happened. Like, God did something amazing in my life. I was like, okay, wow. And she was like, I'm going to call you back tomorrow. We're going to talk about it. I can't wait to tell you. So I was like, amazing. Okay, let's do it. So the whole day, I was thinking about what she was going to say. I thought it was going to be, you know, went to this church service and like this guy was preaching and he taught me something amazing or they had this worship and I had this incredible encounter with God and this thing happened. I was expecting something like that. So I get on the phone with her the next day and she begins to describe to me what happened. And she begins to say, I was at this park. <laughs> I was at this park and I was walking on this trail and in front of me was this pond. She said it was this beautiful picture, and I was walking around this pond, and at one point, I got to this place that I decided to sit in the grass. And as I was sitting in the grass, just marveling at the beauty of this pond, she said, Austin, you won't believe what happened. I was like, tell me, what did Jesus come walk on the pond? Like, what, what happened? She was just kind of building it up to be this incredible moment. I was like, what, what happened? Please tell me. April was her name, is her name. And for some of you know her, that's why I said that. Uh, I was like, what happened? April, tell me. And she said, all of a sudden, this butterfly flew in, she said, and it landed on my leg. She said, Austin, in that moment, and she began to cry. She said, Austin, in that moment, I was reminded of God's faithfulness in my life. And all these, <laughs> I'm not actually crying. That was good, wasn't it? That sounded real. <laughs> she said, I was reminded of God's faithfulness in my life. And these things, she just started going on. And I got to admit to you, I was like, what? <laughs> like, are you sure it wasn't just a butterfly that came and landed on your leg? I, I, okay, I guess. And what I began to realize is that is her unique way of connecting with God. We're going to talk about in a few weeks. One of the pathways is it's called the naturalist pathway. And people have this pathway of they connect with God in nature. Anybody just automatically like, yeah, that's me. I connect with God in nature. Cool. Uh, but I, I remember hearing that and thinking, this is a perfect example because I promise you, Lord, you can change me if you want, but I think I can promise you that that would never happen to me. That would never happen to me, but it was her unique pathway. And so uh, my hope is that in the next few weeks that two things would happen. One is as we talk about the pathways that you will discover perhaps for the first time the pathway by which you uniquely connect with God. And for many of you, this will be absolutely liberating because for years you've been in church or you've been around Christian people and they've taught you or you formed this kind of philosophy in your mind that the only way to connect with God was going to be by going into a prayer closet in your rooms, in your house somewhere and opening up scripture and reading for 30 minutes and then spending another 30 minutes praying to him. And maybe for years you've battled because that just 
doesn't do anything for you and you don't feel this connection. And so my hope and prayer is that maybe in the next few weeks that you'll discover the unique way that God has created you to connect with him. But also my hope in this conversation is that you would uh, begin to grow an understanding of others, that we would become freed up to allow people to connect with God how he has designed them to connect, maybe different than you. You are a better leader and a better discipler of other people when you understand how they individually uniquely connect with God because it may not be exactly like you. And so a couple of things before I get into talking about some of the pathways that I want to make really clear before we get into this because I think it's important for you to understand. Two things. The first thing is this. I want to make sure that you know that we are not talking about there are multiple paths to God. We believe that scripture teaches us there is only one path to God, and it is the path through Jesus Christ, his son. It is the path, uh, and Jesus tells us himself in scripture that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So it is the sacrifice of Jesus on a cross that paid your sin debt that makes a way for you to have access to your heavenly father. That is the only path to God. So I want to make sure that you know we're not talking about how you establish a relationship with God. We are talking about how once you get into a relationship with God, how then you connect with him. So there is one path to him, but you are uniquely created to kind of land in a pathway of how you have a relationship with him. Is that clear? If that's not clear, please come talk to me afterwards. The second thing I want to just make clear is this. God has given us tools to connect with him. I believe that three of those tools are this. The Bible, prayer, and community. Those are three tools that God has given us to connect with him, and they are essential to walking with him. And so what we are not saying is that your pathway is an excuse to not involve those in your life. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm actually saying is that God has given you those tools so that in your unique path, those tools can come alive in your life. Does that make sense? So the danger in this is as we talk about the the pathways that you uniquely connect with God is that you would say, well, you know, I'm a naturalist. I connect with God in nature. uh, Therefore, I don't really need the Bible because that's not how I connect with God. I don't believe that's true at all. I think the Bible is maybe the most significant tool that God has given us to connect with him. And the hope is that you would understand the Bible. And then once you get in nature, your pathway, it would then come alive in a different way because you are then exercising it in the unique pathway that God's created you to experience it in. Does that make sense? So all of that is setting up the next few weeks. So I'm excited to get into this. I want to talk about three pathways tonight. And uh, as we talk about these tonight, maybe none of these three connect with you. Maybe you're like, nope, I don't have any of those. Let's move on to next week. Great. But like I said, I I do think that even if these aren't you, it's helpful to know them because then you can walk with other people and understand that it may be someone else's even though it's not yours. Are you ready? 
I'm excited. I don't, I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm, 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 maybe it's the Red Bull I drank. I'm not sure. Or maybe it's the weird sound that came on that just got me pumped. Uh, but I'm excited. So let's talk about the first one. The first one I want to talk about tonight is this, the intellectual pathway. The intellectual pathway. I'd encourage you to take notes. Intellectual pathway. These are people who are smarter than everyone else. Just kidding. It was a joke. That's not what it is. These are people who connect with God, thank you for the courtesy laugh, through knowledge and concepts. These are people who connect with God through knowledge and concepts. These people worship through intense study, apologetics, and intellectual pursuits of their faith. You may know someone who has an intellectual pathway because when you ask them how they are doing with God, they start talking about what they're learning, right? So, hey, man, how is your relationship with God going? You know, what's going on in you? Bro, I've been studying this. I've been studying about the sovereignty of God and these different, you know, these different uh, theological beliefs about the sovereignty of God. I read this book, and it said this, and then I coupled it with this, this book, and it was incredible. And then in, in Revelations, it talks about this, right? Those are intellectual pathway kinds of people that immediately go to what they are learning. Uh, these people are usually theologians. They're defenders of the faith, what we would call apologists. Um, these people uh, typically are the ones who, who come into worship and they read all the lyrics on the screen to make sure the lyrics are good, sound theology, you know, uh, while everyone else is just caught up in the moment, like, yeah, let's go, let's go. These people are like, huh, I wonder what scripture that comes from and all this kind of stuff. I love it. It's beautiful. These people, uh, they tend to be the readers and the bloggers and the writers and the thinkers. They like books. These are people that usually carry around like the huge Bibles, you know, that weigh a ton. And that in the Bible, I see some of you know who you are. In the Bible, there's like tons of notes and sticky notes and tons of highlights. And then all these connections and correlations to different scriptures. And those are usually the intellectual types. They sometimes like to argue with each other over theological issues. Everyone else thinks that they're mad at each other, but really they're just debating. <laughs> and so they're cool with it. That's great. They have an intellectual pathway. It's how they connect with God. I love it. There are many intellectuals in the Bible. Obviously, we have tons of writers in the Bible. I want to point out uh, one of my favorites that I believe was an intellectual is a guy by the name of Ezra. You study the Old Testament. Ezra was one of the, the primary leaders in the Old Testament. He was... Uh, kind of leading the people out of exile in Babylon back into Jerusalem. And uh, if you read the story of Ezra, in Ezra chapter 7, it says this about Ezra. It says, For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. I believe Ezra was an intellectual pathway kind of person. So if you think this is a pathway for you, let me offer some tips. I want to do this for each one. I want to offer some tips for how you can lean into it and then offer a few cautions as well because um, there's always some caution to your specific pathway because you want to make sure you're leveraging it for good and uh, aware of how it may lead into something that's a little bit dysfunctional. So a few tips uh, for leaning into this pathway. One is I would encourage you to read older books. If you think you have this pathway, I want to encourage you to read older books. Don't read the latest trendy book from some famous author. Those are great. 
but usually, um, usually those authors have read older books and they're repackaging truths that they read in something older and that has withstood the test of time. They're repackaging it in a new and a fresh, relevant way to today's society. So I'd encourage you to pick up some older books. Uh, some people like A.W. Tozer, some people like uh, Francis Schaeffer or Watchman Nee. These are all people that have written books that have really withstood the, ta- the, the test of time. They're great. Um, so read some older books if you think that's your pathway. I think that, that would be good for you. The second way I would encourage you is to find other intellectuals. Uh, find other people who have that pathway that you can have some discussions with. Don't be the guy or girl who tries to turn your entire small group into intellectuals, right? We all know that person in a group of people who gets mad at everyone else because they're not studying the, the deep things of theology. And, and it's just like, bro, really? Or girl, I don't know. I, I need to learn the equivalent of bro for, for girls. I feel like every week I get up here and have that problem. Maybe I'll just stop saying bro. Is that the better solution? No, all the bros are like, no, keep saying. But it's like, really? So, so get around some people. And usually a one-on-one discussion is better for you if you have the intellectual pathway. That's better than getting into a group of people and trying to uh, kind of start those kind of conversations. So I'd encourage you with that. And then the third and final encouragement I would leave you is practice taking complex thoughts and making them simple for others to understand. I think maybe, maybe you know somebody or that has this pathway. Maybe you're that person. But a lot of times, just because that's your pathway and that's got how God's created you, you have these really complex ways of thinking about these deep things. And that's great. But I would encourage you to practice taking those things and developing them in such a way where you can communicate them to other people who perhaps don't have that same pathway. And I believe that God will use your influence and use your pathway in a great way if you'll do that. A couple words of caution for you if you have the intellectual pathway. First is this. um, Know that knowledge is not maturity. Just remind yourself that knowledge is not maturity. I love this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2. It says, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, yet I do not have love, then I have nothing. The scripture also teaches us that knowledge puffs up, but love covers up. There's a unique difference in those two. And so I would leave you with this thought. Wisdom is better, is a better measure of maturity. Wisdom is a better measure of maturity than knowledge. Gaining knowledge may be how you uniquely connect with God, and that's great, and you need to lean into that. I encourage you to do that. But your ability to combine knowledge with love for people is what makes you wise. Your ability to combine the two. And I believe that wisdom is ultimately what you would desire and ultimately what I would desire. People with wisdom, I've noticed this from just being around people. People with wisdom tend to be humble. People with only knowledge tend to be proud. And so focus on wisdom being your ultimate goal. 
combining knowledge with love for people. And the second thing that I will caution you with is that there are some things that we are not meant to ever figure out about God. (laughs) Maybe that discourages you. But there are some things that we are not meant to figure out about God. And at some point, the human mind cannot comprehend all that there is to God. So I know that you're smart. You're an intellectual. People have complimented you your whole life on how smart you are and how deep understanding you have. But at some point, you are not meant to understand all that there is to know about God. He is meant to be a mystery, and that's okay. And acknowledge that and embrace that. That's the intellectual pathway. Cool, right? Let's move on. I want to teach you another one. The second one I want to talk about tonight is called the traditionalist pathway. The traditionalist pathway. These people connect with God through religious ritual and symbols. These people worship through traditions and sacraments of the church. This is uh, probably not common in today's church because we now have lights and sound and you guys are a part of 12 Stone Church, which doesn't practice a lot of traditions. But people with this pathway usually love the aspect of ancient faith. They love the aspect of the history of faith. They love liturgy. Uh, they walk, like, you, have you ever walked into uh, a church and you literally felt like you were in another world? Like there were paintings. I don't know if you've ever been to something like this, but murals and glass of things. You're like, I don't even know how people made that thing. And, and I, I've had a chance to, to travel to some places of, in Europe, and I went to a cathedral in Amsterdam, and I don't even remember the name of it, but it was unreal what it looked like. And all these people are like, this is unbelievable. And I, honestly, I just walked in, and I was like, this is cool, but like I don't feel any different. Like, this is awesome. Somebody was really talented to build this thing, but it didn't make me connect with God anymore. Usually a traditionalist pathway kind of person leans into these things, to the, the smells and the bells of church and hymns, right? These old hymns, they love this kind of ancient faith type things. And um, I don't know if those churches have bells anymore, but, you know, smells and bells, it rhymes. And the hymns, these things make them feel closer to God. That's a traditionalist pathway. But this idea of sacred uh, rhythms and symbols and rituals is actually uh, has strong history in the church. And so I think it's really cool for people to have that. But let me give some tips for uh, seeing this pathway expressed or some tips from how you may want to lean into it if you think you have it. Usually traditionalist pathway people, they love rituals. So uh, usually they give special attention to holidays. So these are the people that get really offended by Easter and Christmas being about bunnies and Santa Claus because they love, they want to go back to the traditions of Christmas and the real meanings. And I love that too. I think all of us should have some sort of recognition for the real meaning for these things. But there's usually this, you know, well, back in, you know, Martin Luther nailed the thesis to the wall and there's this kind of rich tradition of church that they want to point out. There's also a acknowledgement of the sacraments. So we, if you've been around church for a while, you've been here every now and then, we take communion. And communion is not a ritual. It's a sacrament of the church. So that's a little bit different. It's something that, that Jesus actually taught us to do. 
But for some of you, when we take communion, we, we eat the bread and we drink the, the, the juice. And it's a symbol of the body that was broken and the blood that was shed for us. For many of you, you come in and you do that, but it's just like, I'm eating a weird cracker and I'm drinking some juice that I wish was wine. And, um, um, you know, this really does nothing for me, right? And for many of you, especially if you have a traditionalist pathway, this is like the entry point to you having this incredible encounter with God because he speaks to you in that kind of way. And I think all of us ought to let communion, I mean, it ought to do something for all of us in some sort of way. But those with a traditionalist pathway, man, this is like a sacred moment for them to connect with God. And that's a great thing. Usually they love uh, the Christian creeds. I don't know if you know, have any knowledge of the, the ancient creeds, of the Apostle Creed. These are declarations that have been said throughout faith for centuries of what we believe as Christians. So they lean into those. If you think you may have a traditional pathway, then find those and make those a part of your everyday life and how you connect with God. Uh, usually they love symbols. And so maybe they wear a cross around their neck or a ring on their finger or something to remind them of God's faithfulness. Or maybe they love the fish on the car. Maybe they're that person. They love the sticker of the fish because that's a, a thing that's been around for centuries. And that's how people marked themselves as Christians way back in the, the Bible times, right? So they love that kind of stuff. Uh, they love sacrifice. That's a weird thing to say. Let me describe. Um, <laughs> um, they love the spiritual disciplines, and, and they love fasting. That's a sacrifice, really. Uh, they love giving up something so that I can, I can gain something else. Uh, they love dedicating something to the Lord's use. These are things that traditionalist pathway. I do not have a very large traditionalist pathway in my just how God has created me. But sometimes, sometimes I sense that how I'm connecting with God is just getting, like, old and just mundane and it's business as usual and because I, I know how he's created me but after a while sometimes I just feel like I'm hitting a wall with that stuff and so um, I think it's healthy to lean in outside of your comfort zone to a pathway that maybe you're not strong in and so the traditional pathway is not something I'm strong in but I want to introduce you guys to something um, years ago I was given this and this is what's called a prayer shawl and so I want to introduce you to it tonight. The actual word for it is called the tallit, and this is a Jewish tradition that you can read about in the Old Testament of what they did then. But this is, um, so back in the Old Testament, one of the commands from God is he told them to make these cloths, and then on the end of them to put these kind of tassel things. And what he instructed them to do is that as they wear these cloths, to let the tassels, each one, be a symbol, a reminder of the commandments that he gave them. So it was somewhat a reminder of God's faithfulness in their life, a reminder of the promises in their life. And so this is something that the ancient Jews would practice. Now, in our New Testament Christian faith, we don't believe that this is necessary any longer. In fact, uh, New Testament says that he has written the law on our hearts. And so this is not necessary anymore. But I think sometimes just to kind of get me outside of my comfort zone, what I'll do is when I go into my prayer room, my closet and pray, I'll just put this on my head. I know it may look weird to you, but sometimes I do this. Sometimes I just wrap it around like this. 
And I'll just seek the Lord like this. And I'll grab a hold of these tassels and let them just remind me of God's faithfulness in my life and his promises to me that he's made. And it's just a different way to engage in a different pathway. I know all of you are looking at me like I'm weird right now. But this is, I think it's good just to, this is traditionalist pathway kind of people love this kind of stuff. And if that's you, man, go for it. Like, this is not necessary for all of us to connect with God. But if that's you, lean into it a little bit. I remember the first time I discovered that this was not, <laughs> was not for me. I was kind of new to 12 Stone, and there was a group of people uh, that were gathering, about 20 of us. We gathered at someone's house for a night of prayer and worship. And uh, there at this guy's house, he gave these to each of us. And um, he just began to lead us in like a time of worship and prayer. And he instructed all of us kind of what to do with it. And um, as we did that, then he lit some incense in the room. And it was just like he turned the lights off real low and there were candles. And it was kind of this moment. And I was like, okay. And then he told us to put it on our head. And then we should begin to like pray out loud and all this kind of stuff. And I'll just be honest with you, I could not focus because I kept looking at how goofy everyone looked with this thing wrapped over their head. And I was worried about the incense, like catching the house on fire because no one was watching it. And it was just this weird, we started singing and the girl next to me had a terrible voice and I was completely distracted. And I just decided, you know, God, I don't think you've uniquely created me for this, but I think it's healthy sometimes just to lean into the different pathways and just discover maybe God has something new for me in that. So let me give you a few words of caution, however, if, uh, if you have this pathway. First is I would encourage you with this. Uh, don't be judgmental of those who are not traditionalists. I think this is smart for every pathway, but, but specifically for this one. Uh, don't be a judge, judgmental of people who don't have that pathway. That may not be how someone else uh, connects with God, and that's okay. The second thing is this. I would encourage you, don't lose sight of the mission. Don't lose sight of the mission. Some traditionalists get so caught up in their pathway that they forget our mission to reach the lost. And you can get so caught up in these uh, rich, ancient traditions of the church that you forget that we're called to get outside and to reach people who are not like us, people who are far from God. I think this is one of the, the problems with monasticism and, and monks. Really, the idea is that they isolate themselves away from the rest of the world to have a connection with God in that unique way. Well, that's great, but the problem is the Great Commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel and to baptize people and to see people come to know Christ. And so I think there is the possibility of you getting so uh, kind of consumed with traditionalism that you forget our calling to reach people. I was talking with um, another pastor who works here who I know has a, a, a traditionalist pathway. Really, he loves that stuff. And I just asked him, I said, man, how do you work at 12 Stone Church? Like, how do you work here and yet that's your pathway? You seem like the kind of guy who should be on stage like wearing a robe, you know, like in, the, in, in, in reciting the, uh, the creeds and all this kinds of stuff. And he said this to me and I wrote it down because it meant a lot. He said, I learned to separate my private spiritual practices from the mission to reach the world. He said, I don't need to be a part of a church that exactly matches my private pathway, 
but I'm grateful to be a part of a church that becomes all things to reach all people. And that's what 12 Stone does. And I just thought that was so wise to not let private practices and your private pathways kind of uh, trump our mission to reach the world. And so I would encourage you with that. The third thing I would encourage you is just a caution is this. Be sensitive to how your tradition may keep others from the faith. It's possible that we could consume ourselves with such tradition that it creates a barrier between the gospel and people because all they see is tradition. They don't hear the gospel. It seems to me like some churches care more about tradition than they do the idea of loving people. And I think our love for people ought to at some point say, we want to get rid of any distraction that may keep people from coming to know Jesus. And so I'm all for traditions. I think they're great, um, but I think we ought to be really careful. I think uh, part of my unique individual calling, this is not for everybody, this is not for every person called to ministry, but I think part of my unique individual calling that God's revealed to me is that I want to get rid the best that I can of traditions that keep people from coming to know Jesus. I just, I don't know if it's part of like my upbringing. I was raised in kind of a church that had a lot of traditions. And so because of that, uh, I just saw a lot of people not wanting to come to church and therefore not wanting to come to faith because all they could see were traditions. And so now I just have a, a passion kind of in my soul to make sure traditions aren't the reason why people are not coming to faith. Does that make sense? I was, I'll never forget, I was uh, kind of walking with a guy who was a new believer uh, he was raised in church, but really just started to kind of understand what it meant to follow Jesus. And um, we started, I said, man, let's pray together after we just talking. And I noticed that immediately before we prayed, he took off his hat. And um, I'm familiar with that. I, I grew up in a church where you, you didn't want to walk in the doors of a church with a hat on. Does my hair look weird? And, um, and uh, I, I, I just stopped him. I said, man... I think I understand what, what you just did, but will you just tell me, like, why did you take off your hat? And he said, I don't know, man. I, I just, like, I think I was, I was taught that, like, with a hat on, there was something, like, you couldn't connect with God the same way. Like, there was, maybe he didn't hear my prayers or something if I was wearing a hat during prayer. And I said, man, I understand where you're coming from, but let me just remind you that we are about to pray to a man who was murdered on a tree for you, hung naked on a tree for you, took nails in his hands, a sword in his side, so that you could have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. And you think that one inch of 5950 is going to keep him from hearing you? I said, dude, I'm all, like, if that was the tradition of your church, honor that. If that's how they do things, great, honor that. But I just want you to know that's not the gospel. And that's not the God that we serve. And I promise you, a hat on your head is not going to keep the God who reigns over everything from hearing you. And so, so I just wanted to let you know that as well, that we got to help. We got to help people understand the difference between tradition and gospel message. Cool? Somebody say amen. amen. And then lastly, just real quickly, I would encourage you, don't believe that the best days are behind you behind us as a people. I think traditionalists a lot of times 
get soaked in the past. And so therefore, they kind of neglect what God wants to do in the future. And so I just want to encourage you, don't believe that the best days are behind us. And the last pathway, just real quick, and then we'll be done. Um, Band's going to come up and lead us. The last pathway is the contemplative pathway. Contemplative pathway. These people connect with God through heartfelt adoration and devotion. These people worship by their attentiveness, their deep love, and intimacy. These people usually have an active prayer life. Contemplative pathway people, they just want to be in God's presence. They usually focus more on being with God. Like, I just want to be with God. I just want to bask in the love of God. They, uh, they usually, when they get with God, they just want to sit and wait for God to show up, for God to speak. It's just all about being with God. Sometimes you can identify people with this pathway because they use a language like this. You may have heard them say, I just feel like God is wrapping his arms around me and overwhelming me with his love. That's generally something that a contemplative pathway person may feel. I, I, I was you know, just searching through scripture. I believe that the apostle John, if you read the, the book of John, I believe that he had a contemplative pathway. He's always talking about how he's overwhelmed with God's love and by love for God. I think King David, I think the contemplative pathway was in King David. If you read the Psalms, he says things like, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you, O God. It's a longing for God, a longing to be in his presence. This is um, one of my highest pathways is the contemplative pathway. And uh, that's why you'll often hear me I get on stage and come up here and I say things like, why don't we just take a moment and, and you just kind of have a moment with God? Why don't you just take a moment and right there where you're at, just focus on him. Focus on his love for you. Focus and tell him how much you love him. Tell him how grateful you are for him. That's why I think I just lean into that a little bit more. I love songs like Great Are You, Lord, and Jesus, We Love You, because they just kind of allow me to lavish my love on him and allow me to bask in his love for me. I think that's just, I kind of lean into this pathway a little bit. And um, I, I think there is nothing that connects me with God more than just sitting and waiting for him to speak to me. That's just me. I don't know if that's you. It may not be. But for me, I just want to sit and wait. I can recall times in my life of sitting in my car and listening to worship music and just thinking about how much he loves me and just beginning to weep for no reason, really. I'm not a really emotional kind of guy, but this is how God moves me. I don't think it's the worship music. I think it's just a, a recognition or a acknowledgement of him. That's just how he's created me. So I'd encourage you, if you think that's, that's your pathway, ways to lean into a contemplative pathway. More than any other pathway, I believe that this, you're gonna have to make time to just be with him. I know everyone's busy and, you know, maybe for some, being with God is taking a hike in nature. That's great, do that. Maybe for some, it's showing up to serve the homeless people. That's a pathway, man, great. If that's how you connect with God, go do that. But if you specifically have this pathway, I think more than anyone else, you're going to have to fight for alone time with him. Learn to slow down until your mind and your heart rest on God. And then I would also encourage you to study the presence of God. 
I think this is something that you uniquely are created for, is to sit in the presence of God and understand the presence of God. And so lean into that. And then let me give you some cautions. Just from personal experience of, of, I think this pathway is in me a little bit, from personal experience, I'd caution you to push yourself to knowing what God is teaching you in the moment. To know what exactly is God trying to teach me in this season of life? How is he trying to grow me? What is he trying to show me? What is, what, what is he trying to make me aware of? I know just from personal experience, sometimes because I just enjoy being with him and just sitting in his presence and soaking in that, sometimes if you ask me, what is God teaching you? I'd be like, I don't know, honestly. Like, I just am, I just love him. <laughs> I just love him. I love sitting with him. I love just praising him. I love worshiping him. I love thinking about his love for me. And that's great. That's my pathway. But I think it's important sometimes to know that he's trying to teach me something in this season. And so lean into that a little bit as well as you just kind of experience this pathway. The whole point of the pathway talk is this, knowing that God's uniquely created you to connect with him. That ought to encourage all of us. He hasn't created you just to be like everyone else and just to go through the motions of whatever and just to do things as usual. But God has uniquely designed you in a way to have a relationship with you. That ought to just let you walk out the door smiling tonight because he wants that for you. And so my hope is that you would discover over the next three weeks as we talk the different pathways and then the ones that are specifically connected with you. And so one of the things that we're going to do is, is um, out in the lobby at the hub, I printed off some sheets of the nine different pathways. If you want to kind of get ahead and just see what they are, um, you can take one of those and just, I think there's like two sentences about each pathway, just so you can kind of know what's coming. So you can maybe say, I wonder what I am. But then also next week, we're going to provide a assessment for you to take. There's some assessments online. You can actually just Google them if you want. Um, and that they'll spit out the results and say, because of how you answered these questions, seems like these are your top pathways. But we're going to provide one for you as well next week that you can do on paper if that's uh, useful to you. But my hope is that we would experience God in the unique way that he has created us. And I believe that he'll bless that. So let me pray for us, and then uh, we will either worship, or I'm not sure if we will or not, depending on the sound. Father, I um, thank you that you have a unique purpose, that you have uniquely designed each one of us with personalities and talents and giftings and ways that you have created us. But I thank you that you have also uniquely created each person to connect with you. And so, Father, I pray for the person in the room who maybe feels disconnected from you. God, would you draw them near to yourself? Father, draw them in. Give them a desire to learn how you've created them. And above all else, God, would you give them a sense of your presence in their life? Because, Lord, I believe that your presence transcends all pathways. And so, Lord, would you um, light a fire in us and would you allow us to connect with you? We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.